Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Surprisingly good. Yeah. Surprisingly good. He's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Like, what would he be like in real life? Would he just be a, a weirdo? It has, has to be. I mean, did you see that Miami movie where he's like the, the DJ with the guns yeah. and the girls? And it's like, yeah. what are we What are yeah. we doing here, buddy? <laughs> what are we doing? He's He's got to be. He's got to be odd, an oddball. Most of them are. You look at these interviews, yeah. you go, oh, okay, that's who you are? Then you get a couple that are just, like, class. Sure. Yeah, we're good. I think that's probably any profession. And it's always shocking, too, to see the ones that are, like, Australian, but you had no idea because they've always played American. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, totally. Let's take well, it over going on everybody welcome to the that's a great conversation for matt to get into big movie buff loves his tv shows he hasn't moved his his face hasn't moved for 10 minutes he's grinding the tape before we go live it's awesome what's up guys uh this is the awesome mode.com nfl strategy show ownership edition diving right into it presented by prize picks they got a really special offer going on i didn't even know about nobody told me about this until i started getting dms so uh, good thing I haven't had prize pick sponsored shows recently. We'll get into that later. Anyway, I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D breaking it all down today. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for all of you podcast listeners. Along with me, as always, Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. I'll do the same for him. G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I and Eric Lindquist. That's a relatively easy one at Eric Lindquist. What's up, brother? What's going on, my guys? I, I just want to know Matt's take on Rotten Tomatoes before we go live. I, I think I think it's very important that Matt uh, lets us know exactly which films he believes are, are getting completely uh, pulled down because of Rotten Tomato scores. Critic reviews, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the thing, guys. You two all in your analytics looking at these reviews. I'm more of a gut guy. Look at the picture <laughs> on the movie, look at the title, and then I'm going to decide if I want to watch it or not. I'm, not. I'm not looking at these reviews or not. Just going by the gut. Yeah, La La Land really just hit all the strikes. It was perfect. It was perfect viewing for you. You know, I go, I look back to that day where I watched that movie by myself, <laughs> and I have no idea what made me pick that movie out of all of them. Just on a whim, <laughs> decided to watch that by myself. And it's probably Eric, one of two movies I've seen in the last, like, couple of years. Eric, you were on your honeymoon when Matt and I had a conversation about, like, get uh, food and, and, and 
I was telling him about Wawa and everything and the, the gobbler and and he's like, so dude, good. I love gas station food. Quick Trip is my favorite restaurant. <laughs> you couldn't even do Casey's? Casey's breakfast pizza or something? No, like something actually respectable? Quick Trip hot dogs. Doesn't oh. watch movies. Matt, in all seriousness, is La La Land the last movie? You're a fascinating guy. I, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in the way you live your life. Is, is La La Land the last movie you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. Like 100%? 100%. What about the last show you've watched? Um, what's that like? It's on Amazon Prime. It has the dude from The Office in it. Which one? It's Jim. It's like a CIA Oh, movie. the action type movie? Uh, yeah. John Reacher? Not Reacher, but something like Jack Oh yeah, Reacher. Jack, Jack Reacher. Yeah, the, the one where he's like the Jack CIA Reacher was team. Tom Cruise, actually. But you know oh, what I'm okay. talking about. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the dude from The Office playing like a CIA agent. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but Jack Reach, I think, was the Tom Cruise one. This was uh, Eric's going to pull. Tom it up. Clancy, Jack Ryan. I was Bang. close. Okay, I had yeah. I had the name right. I had a name that started with a J. So okay, Good that's start. the last one. Gotcha. What's your daily routine like when you're not working? If you have a day off, and you're not hanging with friends or something, or you're not going to the gym, what do you do? You name most of the things I do. <laughs> right, but if you're not. Will you just sit in silence? No, I like my day to day is I usually get up really early in the morning, Eat work, tuna. work. I love tuna work for a bit. Like, even <laughs> on my, even on my days off, like in the summer and like right now I don't have days off cause college basketball is every single day, but like in the summer, I'll usually like go look at the transfer portal, like do things like that. Then I do go to the gym every day on my days off. And then I will read a little bit. Yeah. Wow. This is an enthralling, enthralling conversation. What do you read? Yeah. What do you read? Lavi, you and I were talking last year about starting a book club. All I know all kinds I mean, of dude, stuff. Read finally got around to reading this. Let me tell you something. This is a, this is a long ass book right here. Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. I want to be smart. And be Are like, you reading yeah, Crime and it. Punishment? <clears throat> yeah. I read that book. It's a long book, man. It's a good it's book. Good, mm-hmm. but long. And it's translated from Russian, you know, so they, it's good. It's pretty brutal. It's kind of a dark book. Oh, it's really mm-hmm. dark. Yeah. Really dark. But anyway, we should start the book club. We should, we should kick that back into action. Get some of these guys it. involved too. I'm here for it. We need to, productive. we need to oh, broaden our horizons here at Osmo. Absolutely. I, I also feel productive like, when I read. I like I to do outside read. stuff. I go outside every single day, no matter what. Even if it's like zero degrees? Yeah. That's why I bring on my winter jacket. You need a dog, man. Yeah. Dude, I, I live in a studio. Okay. That's okay. Get a Great Dane. My neighbor has a Great Dane. No joke. No joke. Great Danes are like the best small apartment dogs. I'm not even making that up. They're like the laziest dogs in the world. <laughs> yeah, my neighbor has one. <laughs> they just don't live long. Anyway. Oh, yeah? Like in the studio? Like another studio? Yeah. Apartment? Okay. So it'll work. Get one, man. They're great people. All right, let's jump into this. Anyway, Eric, Matt, 11-game slate. I feel pretty confident, Eric, saying this game or this slate is a lot different than ones we've seen recently where you just have an insane amount of of middle-tier players, especially at running back, that just open everything up. I'm not saying you don't have this this week, but, like, you don't have the Jonathan Taylor up top. You don't have the 9100 Cooper Cup. 
You do have Kansas City back. I don't think Kansas City's played a main slate in like five weeks. So it, it, it throws a wrench into the works. And we also don't have a ton of pending injuries that are going to, of like huge name players that we actually expect to sit. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating slate, mainly because before it was pretty easy to pay up to get nice things. Well, now there aren't even necessarily nice things to pay up for. I mean, you get up to the top of the running back position. You don't have Jonathan Taylor. You get to the top of the wide receiver position. You don't have Cooper Cup. Yes, we have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but we all know the unpredictability that's existed with them here uh, so far this season. Um, I I think it's going to be a a decent enough spot so long as you get Eckler good to go here, 8,300 for him on the top end of the running back board. For wide receiver at the top end of the board there as well, Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs. I mean, completely different situation for Buffalo coming off of one of the crazier football games we'll probably ever see in our live lifetimes. Then Travis Kelsey at the top end of the tight end board, uh, George Kittle coming off of a massive outing. I mean, there aren't as many premium things that have just been locks as what we've had in weeks past. So I think it makes it a very open tournament slate here. Um, as you said, not a ton of like mid range where you're going to see 85, 90% plus of the snaps unless injury news breaks a certain way. So I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really, really fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think there are going to be some great ways to get different, Matt. Uh, and I know we say that a lot, but in a, in a case like this, it feels like, cause we have our top stacks updated. We have our ownership updated. And there are a couple teams right now that might not have highly appealing matchups, but are just elite offenses that are going almost entirely overlooked. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, last week was really weird just to kind of circle this back for a second. I, I want to use this as a reference for this week. Last week, we had a ton of players that came in with really heavy ownership, like Michelle, Jamal Williams, a few others but you could still play a lot of stacks and not take a lot of ownership there. Like the Tom Brady stacks came in relatively owned, but there were other spots people wanted to get to with like Herbert and Stafford and some of the other stacks last week, this week, I think it might be even more spread than that. So from an ownership perspective, I think you can just at first glance play some of these stacks because we don't have the clear stars and scrubs build. We don't have the cups at the top. And we also don't have the Sony Michelle's at the bottom, at least at this point in the week, you never know how the week is going to shake out with injuries. It seems like every week there's one that pops up right now. I think you can play a lot of these stacks and at least hope that the ownership's not going to be condensed. Go blue says Lafayette. While you're on the AP literary, uh, literary high school curriculum, have you read catcher in the rye? I haven't read any books that were, that were assigned in high school. I don't think I've read a single one. What's the one with the big fish? Oh, uh, Moby Dick. Never read that. I don't think I've read awesome. any of them. I read a ton of Charles Dickens. That was the one guy that I got into because it was, I, I, I don't know. It was pretty easy to watch uh, like Tale of Two Cities, uh, Oliver Twist. I thought it was a pretty, uh, I, I thought they were always like very interesting stories that actually kind of like applied to being dudes out on a boat stabbing a whale. Like uh, a crime and punishment. It's a, it's a pretty brutal, like uh, I I can't even remember all of the ins and outs of it. You could remind me, but uh, Moby Dick, just not exactly the most kid friendly tale that I've ever read in my life. Yeah. No mice and men. Yeah. That's garbage. Absolute trash. What? Mice of men. No mice of men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I dropped out in the seventh grade. So is that is that true? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so uh, 
I was waiting. I, I didn't know if there was going to be a segue. No, but... I got suspended for 45 days and then expelled and sent to an alternative school in, in 12th grade. So we weren't really reading that stuff. You were one of the good that's kids. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, no, we, we turned out okay. Anyway. You were reading Eminem lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was your high brain thinking. Dude, I'm not the I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm also not like dumb level class either. No, you know? you, so I was in never. there. What? As I, I I would never say such things. I, I would say that you're somebody that your vocabulary would lean me towards thinking that you would be probably the guy that everybody would make fun of at the alternative school because you actually tried hard. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Never mind. JK. No. No. Um. No, I know how to put on a facade, you know, act, but anyway, what I'm Point saying exactly. the the people, the people there, it, well, mind you, most of us were there for just like stupid things. It wasn't, you know, we weren't trying to light the high school on fire, but I don't know, but I, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Point is that there's running backs on this slate, Matt. <laughs> how's that for a segue? <laughs> oh my God. And this show is my favorite. Jesus. Austin Eckler is facing the Giants. But Alvin Kamara's ownership right now is through the floor. If he plays and is not expected to be limited, he hasn't played since week nine. Uh, maybe our ownership's coming low on him just because he's not, you know, we don't know if he's going to play. We do that once in a while, right, where it won't be the, uh, an accurate representation of what we're looking for or what we were actually getting early in the week. But Kamara against the Jets, especially if, like, Jake or, or uh, if Taysom Hill starts with that mallet finger, I don't know. It feels like you could get a ton of opportunity out of him. What are you doing at the top? Yeah, love Kamara. I think you could I, – I hope the ownership comes in as low as we're projecting right now. I do think it comes up a little bit. But, I mean, even if he doesn't have, like, the pass game role that we've seen with, with certain quarterbacks, and we'll have to watch Taysom throughout the week, he's an excellent play anytime he's below 10% ownership. And we can talk about things like the matchup. I only think that boosts him here. But ultimately, he's going to come down to injury news. As far as like the top, though, do we view players like Eckler? And I think Kamara is a different story because he can catch so many passes and work in the run game with such a fantastic matchup. But do we view Eckler as widely different than players like Antonio Gibson, even like Josh Jacobs with his elevated target share, like Eli Mitchell, if he's healthy? Do we view them as largely different players in terms of workload? I don't. And the price is just so much higher on Eckler that I'm not sure if I'm going to be getting to him. Uh, let me ask Eric this question then. And, and to follow up what you're saying, Matt, let me phrase it a little differently. Does Eckler's touchdown equity kind of mitigate the volume that, because you know Gibson's seeing absurd volume. I don't know if McKissick's going to play. A lot of these guys are getting easy, easy 20 plus looks, potentially upwards of 30. Does Eckler's insane touchdown equity, he has eight on the ground and seven through the air this year, 15, yeah. make make up for maybe not being a 20 carry five or eight target guy. I think it has to be, especially because I mean, the guy had two fumbles that he lost last week, probably brought Cincinnati back into the game. And it doesn't matter because he's the only guy that they trust to do anything. He's an elite pass catcher there. They were up. They kind of got a little lackadaisical there towards the end of that game. But Austin Eckler, 15 touchdowns. You just talked about it. 15 touchdowns here on the season. It's a ridiculously large number. I don't think many people really understand that he has that many here on the season. And Kamara, my big issue with Kamara here is Mark Ingram's return. And we haven't really seen those two side by side here. And uh, in the past, Mark Ingram's gotten a lot of extra work uh, alongside Kamara than you would expect in some of these spots. And 
you know, considering he's been out for a while, I could see a situation where Mark Ingram still gets 10, 12 touches there. It's just not going to be a lone backfield situation for Kamara the way that we saw at times last season. So I'm I'm thinking for me, even at 7,900, I would rather find the $400 to get to Eckler right now. Sure, if ownership were to lock in what it is right now at this point in time with, with Kamara being questionable, being sub 10%, of course, I would want to have some shots there and probably uh, be well over the field there and be about there at Eckler. But uh, expecting that number to kind of trail up, I'm with you where I think Austin Eckler is definitely the more premier back to be paying up for. Okay. You don't Can think I, so? You would, you would rather go Camaro? I, I, don't, I don't have a strong read on this. The, the, I guess the only difference is, is the ownership right now. It's in right. flux. We know it changes throughout the week. The only difference I have is like if if Eckler really is 23, 24% and Kamara's 8%, I, I think there's there's merit to saying, all right, if Kamara's healthy, he's gonna be the lead back. They still have to get in the ball as much as possible. And I, I don't know. Like I I'm not sold on on either side right now. You got a tiebreaker at all, Matt. Yeah, I think you could make an argument both ways. Like this New Orleans team, if they don't use Kamara as much as they can, like they're not going to make the playoffs. At the same time, like if he's not healthy and they're out of the playoffs anyway, like they, what's the point in using him? But ultimately knowing how these football coaches approach the game, even when it's unlikely they'll make the playoffs or unlikely they'll make a Super Bowl run, they're still going to throw the kitchen sink at their opponents. I, if Kamara, who's been on for a while, is healthy enough to play, I don't expect him to be limited. Yeah, I got to talk about it a little bit on Aton's show this morning where we were going through the NFC and these last six, seven seeds and where a number of these guys are going to be landing. I mean, we've got Philadelphia six and seven, Washington six and six, Minnesota five and seven. You got three teams in the NFC South that are five and seven there with Atlanta, Carolina and New Orleans. And then you've got uh, the San Francisco 49ers there at six and six. We've got a, a very wide open bottom end of uh, the board here for yeah. the NFC. And there's only one team that gets a buy. So really everybody's in play. I can't see that there's a single team that's better than three and nine or four and eight right now. That isn't still going to be playing straight up hundred percent, giving everybody every opportunity to go. So if Kamara is good to go, I expect him to have a large workload, but again, Mark Ingram just kind of exists here. And, and we've seen in years past, I mean, a long time ago, back when Mark Ingram was a lot more relevant, that he does steal away some of that work. Sean Payton trusts him in this offense. So that's, that's my concern where I kind of tie break it, where Eckler, I just think is such a more uh, confirmed workload. I get that. I do. Uh, I guess the last thing I'd say though is, but how bad is this Jets defense? Pretty bad. Like, <laughs> oh true. my God, they're bad. <laughs> But the, the Giants aren't exactly freaking stout. I, I'm not kidding. I honestly think the Giants defense is markedly better than the Jets. Maybe I'm just off base there. And I'm not saying the Giants defense is even good. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, and we do have the, the Chargers with the highest top stack likelihood. Of course, Eckler is a pass catcher. I totally get it, Eric. I'm just saying, would I be shocked if Kamara annihilates this Jets? Their defense, I, they're shockingly bad. It's true. I mean, I'm looking at PFF right now, 28th power rank defense for the Jets, 27th for the for the Giants. So, I mean, they're basically okay. separated by one. It's hard to imagine you have worse defenses than those two. But I will also say it's a low total we're looking at for New Orleans. And part of that is that they will ground and pound, especially having Taysom Hill there at quarterback, only a 43 and a half total. Whereas the Chargers game, you know, 44 and a half there, but they're 10 and a half point favorites. So the implied team total is a lot harder, or a lot higher there for the Chargers as well. Three points. Yeah, three, uh, three points is markedly more. I mean, if we're talking about a 49 total game as opposed to a 52, people always look at those kind of things differently. Yeah, it, it'll be reflected in projections. Good. Well, there you go. That's that's the Matt Gajewski like stock answer. It'll be reflected in projections. Hey, Matt told I mean, me. That's how the, the implied team totals are directly how the touchdowns are distributed in projections. No, but I'm just saying, then you're going to give Eckler more, right? Um, Right now, yeah, for sure. Okay. Matt told me the Lions couldn't win because they were seven-point dogs, too. I, that no is comment. not what I said. I told you they might have a 30% chance of winning. I, I said, hate that you called that too. I hate it. <laughs> Matt I said it was impossible. Oh, I hate my team so much. A you lot of people's it. minds like do really think binary like that. They see like 30% chance of winning the game is zero. So I think a lot of people were oh, like, for sure. downright for sure. shocked the Lions won, even though this True. red indicated like they had a 30% chance or whatever it was. I didn't do the exact math. I don't even It was 30. I, we did it. I did it. It was 30% implied odds. Yeah. Yeah, which isn't bad. And I mean, that is one of the most lopsided games you'll see in an NFL. It was a, over a touchdown spread. And even a team that is a touchdown underdog has a 30% chance of outright winning the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, the Vikings aren't good. Oh, and not. Eric, I know I don't say that like to, to Riley. I just mean no, they're, the te- they're the type of team that every single week is going to be in a one possession game when there's one minute left in the fourth quarter, it feels like. Because we don't do... We, we legitimately are incompetent when it comes to time, possession, score, figuring out anything like that. We're in close games against uh, the Lions. I mean, we should have lost to the Lions at home <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Not, yeah. I mean, that was that was pathetic. Had to, had to make a 54-yarder at the buzzer there, and and nobody ever does that for the for the Vikings ever. <laughs> so uh, I got to say, it's uh, it's been a pretty brutal year here just because you look at Justin Jefferson and you have one of the most like coveted skill position players you could ever ask for on your team. And it's just, it's just a wasted year. So fun times. And that Zimmer, that defense he called on that final play was absurdly bad. He just, one of the worst play calls. In the- oh yeah. No, if you can go prevent defense on fourth and whatever, with four <laughs> seconds left, you just got to do it in the back of the end zone though. Like if you say, don't let anyone get behind you and just, just get in front of the goal. No, they were backed up five yards, six yards into the end zone. It was, it was, it was incompetence bad. of which the world knows no end. Aren't the Vikings the team that lost in the playoffs? You guys will remember. I, I have a tough memory with certain teams on that like 27 yard field goal miss against the Seahawks, maybe uh, like the, eight, nine years ago. Which time? I mean, <laughs> it, it's just, it, we could go down the list. Chicago, we had the Blair, uh, the Blair Walsh project, whatever, where he ended up 
sniping, missing that right, uh, missed an absolute gimme. Uh, Chicago wins that game. We had the Seahawks game. We had, uh, obviously, Minneapolis Miracle followed by murder. I mean, there's just so much sadness and heartbreak in my life. It's not even remotely I see close. what you did there. Blair yeah. Walsh Project. Nice. Yeah, you like that. Thank you. Was I didn't come up with that. That was an actual it. thing we said in Minnesota. Huh. You had the Stefan Diggs play where his defender fell in front of him. And oh, my God. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Uh, against the Saints. This is uh, really fun. We're walking down my favorite memories of life. Well, wait, that was good for the uh, Vikings. Well, I'm just saying the the Diggs touchdown was lovely, but then it was matched up by a 30-point schlacking in Philadelphia. And then oh, yeah, Philadelphia that. came into Minneapolis, and I, I unfortunately have too many Philly fans in my life. I, I had fr- uh, friends that, you know, even from L.A., that were like, oh, I'm going to Minneapolis. And I'm like, great, I'm not. I'm not going back <laughs> home for this freaking game. And then they just – they do the Philly special, and it was just the worst – football That's season fun. ever 2017 right the worst hey uh leonard fournette matt I, this is weird to me because he's going to get a, everyone's going to see what happened against buffalo like, with the patriots right everyone's going to see what jonathan taylor did to buffalo they know they're a run funnel defense maybe they won't be factoring in that tradavius white is out and monday night's game was just a complete anomaly and and should be erased from history even though it was fun to watch but from like a statistical analysis standpoint, you can't glean much from that at all. And the Bucks passing offense is going to go extraordinarily overlooked. They have one of the lowest game script adjusted run play percentages in the league this year. I like Fournette. Don't get me wrong. And he's getting a lot of pass catching work. But if he's mega chalk because of the matchup, because of what we've seen recently, I'm not willing to, and Ben said this yesterday, just assume that Tampa Bay is going to be like, okay, well, we can run on them, so we're just not going to pass. Like Brady threw 100 times in the first quarter against Atlanta last game. They're going to stick to what they're good at. At least that's what I think, and I think Fournette will get work, but I'm not expecting a 20-carry game from him. Are you? No, I'm not, but I don't necessarily know that he needs it. I mean, he's had eight targets back-to-back games. Before that, six targets, nine targets, five targets. Like, late, they didn't have Ronald Jones last week, and they still did not use Giovanni Bernard at all. It is Leonard Fournette, 100% of the snaps, all of the running back touches, and it's not close. And, I, like, I like to parallel him with a guy like Austin Eckler because the workload is not markedly different. And you guys talked about a lot of touchdowns for Eckler. We know touchdowns are the most volatile, like, fantasy scoring, like, indicator more volatile than receptions and yardage, things like that. And you have a player in Eckler who's run really hot with touchdowns. And Fournette, I think you can say the exact opposite. Recently, that's regressed a little bit, especially the three-touchdown game he had last week. But Tampa Bay scores more points than any other team in the NFL. They're now in the premier shootout of the week. There's a really high scoring expectation for Leonard Fournette. And right now, he's less owned than Eckler. He's at a cheaper price. I would rather play Fournette straight up than Eckler. Okay. Oof. Okay. Eric got some some expression going on over there. I'm, by the way, I'm not... I'm not saying I don't like Fournette. I'm saying if the passing game for Tampa Bay goes widely overlooked, that is a spot with Tom Brady that I will put some faith in. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. For sure. If if, if Tom Brady's the under-owned piece in the game, then that's where you go. Like, this is all going to be dependent on ownership, and it's not just the individual Eckler versus Fournette ownership. There's a lot more pieces moving here. The Tom Brady stack, like, if Tom Brady is the under-owned stack of the week, 
certainly you might come in a little underwhelmed on Fournette. I was trying to treat those two in a vacuum versus. We have Brady at 2%. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, that's egregious. So I'm looking right now at the top stack percentage. Have have you guys both looked at that already? Yes. Okay. So were you shocked by Tampa Bay being right around 5.3 coming off of weeks where they've been 15, 20%? Yes. We got to reverse engineer it a little bit. I, I think it's probably the right way of looking at it. And for me, whenever I look at projections, especially from a tournament angle, I ask myself why. Like, why did so many things, why did so many factors change from last week leading into this week? And, you know, it was a four tutties, I believe is what Rob Gronkowski said about Leonard Fournette there in that Indianapolis game where it was just bonkers how good he was. Um, but I'm to say that you want him straight up over Austin Eckler, I, I don't think it's insane but i gotta be thinking that the top stack dropped for tampa bay simply because what we saw up against buffalo uh buffalo just being inept even knowing a running place coming every single time they're up against new england so i do think leonard fournette is interesting for tournaments but god i just don't expect him to be performing at this at this rate here going forward when uh, tom brady is obviously the key cornerstone piece on offense that they're going to be relying on chris godwin mike evans all the amazing skill catchers getting rob gronkowski back in the mix that definitely regresses uh, leonard fournette's touchdown expectation for sure and now you're paying 7400 you're literally paying the absolute highest price of the season for him in this spot i find all of those factors together and then his 18.5 percent ownership to be things that I'd probably be shying away from. And, you know, Austin Eckler, I mean, he's just projected for what, almost eight raw points more than Leonard Fournette in this spot. For me, that comes down to volume opportunity. And, you know, it, it really just comes down to what that game script is projected to be as 10 and a half point favorites. So I get that you like Leonard Fournette, but I, I think if the slate started right now, there's like no way I'd get close uh, in terms of roster shift to having them the same. I'd be way higher on Eckler. Yeah, to be to be honest with you, I think the projection on Fournette's wrong because the volume's not different. Eckler doesn't have markedly more opportunity than Fournette, and he arguably has less opportunity in recent weeks. You have to remember, if you go on just based on Leonard Fournette's season-long stats, the beginning of the year, he was not the bell cow back he is now. No. So if you isolate the recent weeks, the, the opportunity is not different. The scoring expectation is maybe a little higher for Eckler because they run more in the red zone. The one thing I will say about this LA team is if Keaton Allen misses the game, I think that could help Eckler a lot. But yeah, I, I, mean, I just 81... downright disagree with you on the opportunity. In no, so I mean, if you want to talk about that, I, I agree with you. 81% and 87% of the snaps here in the last two weeks for Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones has randomly been mixing in. But for me, it's just come down to, you know, touchdowns as, as volatile as they can be. We can still look at a number of sports books. We can look at Odd Shopper and really help ourselves be able to figure out what that expectation is going to be there for them. And I just think Eckler still at the top of the board at the position, still a guy that with Rob Gronkowski back in, who we haven't seen, you know, in a bunch of weeks leading up, obviously we've seen him the last two, but uh, having him there at the goal line is going to eventually carve into some of that touchdown expectation as well. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, number of other ways that, uh, that he can kind of get sniped Eckler at the goal line. I mean, it's just been a lot of him. And I, I just feel pretty confident that in this spot, especially with his pass catching prowess that I'm looking at Austin Eckler as kind of a, a little bit more of a premier play than, than uh, Leonard Fournette, but Leonard Fournette, his passing game role, you're right, has been definitely there. Eight targets, his last two, two, uh, seven receptions, uh, two uh, receiving touchdowns also in his last two weeks. I mean, he's a great play in, in that respect, but uh, in a vacuum, I'm taking Eckler every time. I mean, Fournette has more than double the red zone touches of Eckler over the last four weeks. 
And red zone, a lot of red zone targets as well. I mean, he has two red zone receiving touchdowns over the last two weeks. Yeah, I'm Are you going to send an carries. email and get the projection fixed then? Is that what's going to happen, Matt Kaczewski? You're going to go have a conversation with the boss man about why Leonard Fournette's too low? Dude, look and see on Sunday, man. I don't build my lineups on Wednesday. Just saying. Right now. So uh, I, I think if you and, – and I like Eckler – I like Kamara if he plays Fournette. I have no problem with, but I would love to get to that Tampa passing game if they're really as low owned as they are. I think if you wanted to, though, you can forego these guys in a lot of lineups because let's see what happens when it comes to take, for example, like Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is not particularly exciting, but you look at his workload in the passing game recently five, seven, four, and nine targets over his last four games facing Kansas City. They're going to likely need to throw. Apparently, Derek Carr doesn't prefer throwing to wide receivers anymore. Kenyon Drake is out. Jalen Rashard, I I don't know if he's going to be available. I'm I'm assuming he probably will. But even so, I would assume that Jacob still gets a lot of pass catching work. Um, I, I think you can look to a few guys here. Like Saquon Barkley, this is a tough spot, but are you just going to see a ton of checkdowns to him? He had 20 looks last game. He's coming in around 12%. Uh, I think there's, there's spots you can go. Antonio Gibson is still egregiously underpriced against the Dallas Cowboys. He's getting ownership, but like Matt said earlier, his, his workload is insane. And we'll see about J.D. McKissick's status. Even if he plays, though, I still think Gibson is viable. There's a lot here, Matt. Yeah, there is a lot. You mentioned a lot of really good names. I think some of it comes down to injury news throughout the week. J.D. McKissick is dealing with a concussion, so I think he would come back and take some pass-catching work from Gibson. Not all, because Gibson's been very good, but they still do seem to prefer McKissick in situations like hurry up two minute, and that is it matters a little bit, not a not a ton, but it does matter overall. With Jacobs, you saw the perfect storm for receiving workload. They made Rashard inactive, Kenyon Drake gets hurt in the game, and they don't really have any other pass-catching backs. And that doesn't mean that Jacobs can't be the pass catching back. He did it in college. We've seen him do it in situations through his career. For whatever reason, they continue to just come back to other pass catching backs. So that's a little worrisome to me. I'm a little more interested in Jacob because we've now seen him do it multiple weeks, but I just don't trust the coaching staff in Las Vegas to continue to do so. And from there, I I think Javante Williams might be the chalkiest play on the Mm -hmm. entire board if Melvin Gordon is out. And that's another- I don't think there's any question. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's an injury situation we'll have to work. We'll have to wait for. But I mean, okay, I want to ask you guys a question. If Melvin Gordon is healthy, how much work do we think Javante gets? More than he's been getting. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. I'm 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 in the camp I where so. I would expect he. Have you ever? There are running backs, and I never like looking at running backs this way. But isn't he just good? Like he's just really, really yeah, he's special. Good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. So I would hope more. I would say he already was before that Melvin Gordon last game, before that game against Kansas City on Sunday night. Williams already played back to back games of season high and career high, but season high snaps. The workload, though, was still pretty split. I think what you would see if Melvin Gordon returns is maybe like a 60 40 to Javante Williams. After the way he played last week, it's very difficult to believe that he's not rewarded for that maybe 65-35, but I think 60-40 would be the more conservative estimate. If they go back to a 50-50 split, it sucks. But if that drops his ownership a ton and they're still facing Detroit, 
I'm probably still willing to get there if Melvin Gordon's in just under the assumption that what if we're right? And what if he does get more work? He is facing Detroit at home. They are big favorites, which is not usually the case for Denver. So I think there's, this is a really interesting situation with a lot of implications based on Melvin Gordon's status. Yeah, and we're still projecting Melvin Gordon in right now, and he's still jumping to the top of the board. Somebody that is projected for a massive workload in this spot, 18 DraftKings points. I mean, that's that's basically top three at the position here. Top four, uh, you got Swift and Mixon, who we didn't talk about, but uh, are both also intriguing. Just dart throws, should they be able to go? Um, I mean, they're both right around 11, 15%. Uh, Joe Mixon, obviously a very disappointing game there against the Chargers. Terrible game script for him getting down uh, crazy early, but still saw 19 touches there. Uh, no really receiving volume whatsoever. And then DeAndre Swift, if he's going to be back here in the fray, we know the kind of pa- uh, passing game volume he has. Uh, Jamal Williams, yeah, he's serviceable. He was obviously a big part of the slate last week, but I think both of those guys, uh, they, they deserve to have the projections that they do if they're good to go. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're just projecting Melvin Gordon for less work right now. Mm-hmm. We have to be because it, if you watch that game and if, if Denver is, is tr- like trying to go out and win football games, which uh, I got to be thinking that they definitely are. There's no way Javante Williams at 5,900 isn't going to be just a markedly better right. play than anybody else in the range. And, and that's including Saquon Barkley, who I'm obsessed with for this week. I- I agree. Yeah, I like Barkley a lot, too. Matt, I want to ask you about uh, another player. I talked to Ben and Jordan about this yesterday. He's not really involved much in the passing game, but he had 19 carries in an ass-beating last uh, last game. They're coming off a bye where they lost 36-13 to 13 to the Titans or to the uh, Patriots. Does Deontay Foreman, as a double-digit favorite against Jacksonville, get 20 carries this week? I'm not sure. And I think he could, though. I think he could. There's a little bit of like back and forth between players coming in and out of the lineup with injuries and stuff. How much does McNichols play? McNichols, if he's fully healthy, he's complimenting like Derrick Henry at times in the past game. So that's another workload I'm just not confident in. And it's not like he's near the minimum. He's not even at Sony Michelle's price that we saw last week. So I think there's opportunity costs with him. Are you willing to just put one of these guys with a very, very tenuous workload in your lineup? In tournaments, I think it's absolutely fine. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. But for like smaller fields, low risk contest, he's not even a consideration for me. I, I do believe no, he's still oh, very no. risky. Mm-hmm. In in large field tournaments, though, if he really is like the 3% or whatever he's at right now, 
I'm okay getting the sum of that and hoping for a Damian Harris type game where you punch in two touchdowns, your huge favorite, you lean on the run. AJ Brown is on the IR. Julio Jones is coming back. He'll probably last what a quarter, a quarter and a half. And then you're left with like Westbrook Akine and, and Dre Fitzpatrick and Jeff Swain. So I guess I'm probably a little higher on them than you guys, but I totally understand the reservations and I have the same ones, but I think once you get into the red zone, Foreman's probably the guy, I don't think he's involved a ton as a pass catcher because Hilliard and McNichols, if he's returned mm-hmm. will be, but could this be a game where they just ram the ball down the Jags throats and run 35 times? I think it's possible, but he's going to have to do it with touchdowns and on the ground. And he doesn't have that same pass catching upside as so many other players are. Yeah, I like that call. I, I hadn't even really considered him that much. Obviously, he's projecting decent enough down there at 5,100. And uh, obviously, Hilliard, we saw the big play that he had up against New England there in week 12. They run a bye here and now uh, getting back into the mix. Dontrell Hilliard, I, I don't really see him being a, a massive part of that offense going forward outside of just pass catching role. Jeremy McNichols, that's such an uncertain thing. But Donta Foreman, he's definitely going to be the guy getting the, the majority of the touches there, uh, the majority of the carries. And against Jacksonville, you can always make a case of targeting anybody else there. I will say there's just really nothing underneath that that is Gross. that intriguing. I mean, it gets really, really thin. I mean, obviously, if you look at year-long, the year-long seasonal leagues, you've got guys like Amir Abdullah and uh, a number of other uh, – Rex Burkhead's a thing if you have no David Johnson. But I don't think we need to be looking at them in DFS. I just don't think there's the kind of workload uh, that, we need to, that we need to be trying to get, make like that thin of a play on this slate. Unless like Mixon ends up out and you go to Pirine or something. Yeah, and, th- and that's like the only guy really that I had circled where – you know, for, for that situation, of course, that's going to be just completely different. Do you have anything else, Matt? Cause I'm with Eric. Once I get below Foreman, I tank is on empty. Yeah, I agree. I would be very surprised if Mixon misses too. He came back in the game after his injury. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think, yeah, I, I don't think he will at all. Yeah. Same. But, um, I don't know. Sometimes that stuff like stiffens up or swells, you know what I mean? It's weird stuff where they'll come back and then they're out and, it's so hard to say. I don't know. But I'm, I I agree with you. Do you guys think if you had to project Kamara in or out, do you think he plays? Uh, I don't think he does right now. Oh, okay. See, I have it. I think he does. I, I think it's probably 55-45. He doesn't. Okay. I think he plays. This season's on the he line. Do. He was he, – that. so he played Thursday. But the season <clears throat> was on the line last week too. Right. But he played, all I'm saying is he played Thursday. So now they have a lot of additional rest. Mm -hmm. That's true. And he did log three limited practices. It seemed like he was relative. I don't know. Listen, if he can't come back 11 days later, this might be a season. This might be something that's a lot more serious than they've let on. Right. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It seems like he had a setback because the first week he was injured, he logged a limited practice. And then that was on like Wednesday where he practiced limited. Then he was DNP, DNP, and then he was DNP for the entire next week too. Then he's now come back to limited practice, but he hasn't been placed on IR, which suggests a return. Obviously we know sometimes teams are, are really bad about judging IR. See Tampa Bay with Antonio Brown. Yeah. But if they're even reasonably accurate, we should see him soon. Yeah. So I thought, didn't know you were done. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> sometimes I got to say, sometimes Matt's just like going, it's great. It's great. Just like mid sentence, but end of sentence. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to, you are one of Matt. one Matt Kajewski. You're one of one dude. Yeah. Yes. I just realized oh. I didn't have anything else to say. 
<laughs> but you have to at least like finish the sentence. You can't just stop halfway through it. <laughs> Social protocol, I gotta say, just Too next good. level. I'm great at parties. <laughs> just, just chugging four locos. Just... Like, and then <laughs> great at parties. You the life of the conversation before I just walk away mid sentence. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you look really. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> God, I love that. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Did you guys see that new show on? All right, all right. <laughs> uh, we forgot to ask you guys to hit the thumbs up today. If you haven't done so yet, prize picks, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Prizepicks.com. Check that out. In all seriousness, we got an insane promo going. I, I, Eric, I did not know we were doing this until people started DMing me about it. So then I asked our marketing guys, I'm like, mm -hmm. so when did this start? This is yesterday. They go, Good. November 24th. I saw that Joey just dropping it in casually that it started two weeks ago. And either I missed it or I wasn't told about it. Now, granted, it's in the DMP, but I don't know. I don't really do prize pick shows for the most part. But anyway, that promo I'm talking about is one free month of Awesome o Plus Platinum, $90 value. We're just giving away the farm these days. All you do is sign up at prize picks and deposit for the first time. Now, it's an entire free month, football, basketball, hockey, MMA, PGA, whenever, I don't know when NASCAR comes back. I'm assuming it's still a little while. I, I really couldn't tell you. Esports, all of that stuff. But here's the best part. If you make a deposit and use the promo code AWESOMO, you still, or actually, I'm assuming if you just use that link and make a deposit, you'll still get a deposit match up to $100. Uh, if, if there's a promo code available there, awesome. I would assume just use it. A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get up to $100 first match deposit bonus and get one free month if you use the link. Now, is it a, or do we have to use, see, this is the problem, Mike. It's not your fault. Do they have to use a link? It, okay. Gotta use the link, yeah. Okay. So it says that nowhere, nowhere in the read. That's okay. That's all right. We'll square it away. But take advantage of that if you haven't signed up at Prize Picks. And I will say it is a very cool site. Like there's sports, any sport you can think of. Uh, there's no juice on either side. You're just picking overs or unders. They're player props uh, contest where you pick like five props, put them into a lineup and you can 10 X your entry fee if you hit all five. But unlike a traditional parlay, if you hit four of them, you still two X your money. You still get money back if you hit three or you could do like a four pick power play and 10 X on four picks. I I'm telling you, it is very cool. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I see it everywhere now. So they're, they're get, starting to get big and you're not, you don't have to worry about any of the optimizers or mass entries or sharks or anything like that. Just use the knowledge that you have for multiple sports, for one sport. You can do single sport across five. You can mm -hmm. do cross sports, mix up basketball, football, whatever you want to do. And our free player props tool. And of course, oddshopper.com will help you get a significant edge. Use our projections. They're free for this. And use it to get that free month of awesome plus use the link and get up to a hundred dollars as well when you sign up in the pod i mean you have to take advantage you would be stupid not to, in all seriousness and I, and I say that i say that nicely because you guys are not stupid anyway <laughs> fellas let's talk wide receivers that's prizepicks.com or the app store google play store whatever you want check it out matt let me go to you here tyree kill stefan Diggs, both of them pulling heavy ownership i think for pretty good reason 
Keenan Allen, I have an asterisk next to him. If, if he plays, he's going to be pretty popular. Then we'll get into some of those other guys, but I want to know where you're at on, on the big three. Kansas City might be the hardest evaluation in the NFL right now. They played one good game in recent memory, albeit it did come against the Raiders, who they're facing again this week. But this passing attack has been downright dreadful in spots, and it's <laughs> affected Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's played really poorly in spots. I mean, it's positive that their one good game did come against Vegas. They're playing them again. But, man, Tyreek Hill is getting exceedingly difficult to trust, and it's not because of volume. It's, it's mainly because of efficiency with the entire offense. But overall, I'm still going to go back to our projections. I'm still going to go back to the, the game environment, 10-point favorites, 52.5-point total. It's getting harder to trust Tyreek Hill, but as the one pure, like, alpha expensive receiver behind a 31-point implied team total, it's really hard not to get to him, especially on a slate where we don't have Adams, we don't have Cooper Cup, and we just don't have a lot of these studs at the top, especially if there is some salary that's opened up maybe at the running back position. I think Hill's going to be hard to get away from. And, like, just Keenan Allen, if he misses, that removes one other elite player from the pool. Like, Debo Samuel, I'm not sure if we're going to see him either. Right now, he's drawing ownership. There's a chance, I think, that Tyreek Hill comes in north of 20%. So this might be the situation that we need to monitor most throughout the week. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you're probably right about that. Do you guys, did you guys see the, the, uh, the interception from Mahomes that went off of Hill's hands? Which time? It's happened so much. The crossing route on, on Sunday night. It was, uh, like a, it was like a shout, maybe like a 10-yard 10 yard pass. I mean, this has legitimately happened like four or five times this season. That's know, not even hyperbole. That's just from what it Sunday is. Sunday night. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. I think, you know how you give out like a half a sack if, if it's a combined sack? Mm -hmm. I think that should have been like half an interception on Mahomes and credit, I don't know, credit Tyreek with half a fumble or something because I don't think anyone was, I think there was equal responsibility on that. Mahomes ripped that ball above his head and Mahomes and if he'll if it's in your hands you know the whole rule you got to catch it but I don't look at that as entirely on Tyreek Hill I'm just saying he's had much worse yeah he's had some bad ones this season and you know as you're talking about Kansas City I mean we're looking at the top stacks well there's still 20.6 percent to be the top stack that's the highest on the slate by a large margin we're still getting massive leverage going to them as of right now but as he said I expect Tyreek Hill to gain some some traction as we get closer uh, to Sunday, as well as Patrick Mahomes, as well as Travis Kelsey. It just makes a lot of sense. But yeah, Keenan Allen waiting on this news. Mike Williams, you know, he isn't necessarily going to be the volume guy that you get from, from Keenan Allen, but Jalen Guyton's been very, very good here for the Chargers. Obviously, he had the, the big touchdown catch last week as well. Uh, he's He's been decent enough where I think he becomes kind of your de facto uh, source of value here on this slate. And, you know, Keenan Allen, there's no replacing him, but it's going to be something to keep an eye on. The rest of the board, though, is just disgusting. This is not last week. And, you know, I'm going to be playing a lot of the ownership game at the top end of the board. I mean, Stefan Diggs, seeing him at 7.7% right now, uh, this is the ownership show. And I think in terms of ownership, man, it is hard not to be obsessed with that number. Terry McLaurin, 7.4% yep. that we're looking <laughs> at for him, sub 10% on all these Dallas wide receivers. I mean, I, I think there's just going to be a lot of tournament viability to getting away from the Chiefs, mainly because I expect that to be climbing and climbing uh, throughout the week. Hey, can we talk about Mike Evans at 5%? No, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, Godwin at 8 yeah. You know who I like this week? 
and you guys, you guys might throw up a little bit at the sound of this. And by the way, Eric, totally agree on McLaurin at 7%. He's a boom bust player at this point. He's basically like Tyree kill at a lesser price point with not a good, as good of a quarterback. But- yeah. He's, he's like the ultimate. I understand it's same thing with Mike Williams. If you get Keenan Allen in, which we're currently not projecting, but uh, Terry, Terry McLaurin could absolutely give you nothing. But if you're trying to win tournaments, if you're trying to spike a ceiling, there are no wide receivers at the top of this board that really kind of carry the same kind of ceiling. Like are they all, they all carry ceiling, but Terry McLaurin has an outrageous, outrageous 28, 30, 35 that could be uh, in store for him Sunday against Dallas. And also way less ownership than everybody else. Exactly. So, I, I like Jarvis a little bit this week. This listen, I, I like Donovan people's Jones too. If you want to go cra- if you want to get cheap, like if Guyton ends up being, mega chalk because Keenan Allen's out. You have to look at someone like Donovan people's junk. Baltimore's allowed the most 40 plus yard receptions or completions. They've allowed the most 20 plus yard completions. And they just lost Marlon Humphrey for the season. They, their quarterbacks are their secondary is so decimated that John Harbaugh said they went for two because they didn't want to go into overtime because they had nobody left in the secondary. Jarvis just had a big game against them recently, but people's Jones is the one that can execute deep Baker Mayfield's not very good. I know he's playing banged up, but I do have some, some interest. They're super low owned right now. And I I think this is going to go entirely overlooked. People might be ignoring how bad a Baltimore secondary has already been when it comes to big plays and B how banged up they really are. The loss of Marlon Humphrey is, is, is massive in my opinion. That's a really tough game to get to. It's I hear low- you, but they're just unowned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a lot of own guy, unowned guys, and that game is the lowest total on the board. I believe it played to 10 points two weeks ago when they faced each other. Obviously, you'd project way more than that. But Cleveland's offense might be just as bad as Baltimore's defense. They're now dealing with <laughs> some injuries to the tight end position. There's been reports that they're going to use Chubb and Cream Hunt on the field together, which is obviously going to pull some of your pass catchers off. And could possibly elevate their run rate even higher than it's been. And they are the favorite in this game with a team that already has one of the higher run rates in the NFL. At, at zero ownership, anything like less than 2%, I could see some flyers, but it's still pretty tough to get to. Fair enough. Yeah, Landry has a 27% target share since Beckham stopped playing. So I, I'm okay with it. But I can understand why you wouldn't want to get to this passing offense. You guys like any other lo- – oh, go ahead, Eric. No, I, I, I do like Jarvis Landry. I think that that's actually a good call. And in terms of projection, somebody that's definitely vaulting up there quite a bit, 5,400 there for him. Uh, as you said, 27% target share there, 10, eight targets here the last two weeks. I think things are trending up for him uh, in terms of what his expectation is going to be going forward. But going into this mid-range, I mean, it is it is gross. Not only is the top of the board pretty gross, where you know even top wide receivers, Stefan Diggs, again, just is so clear-cut for me. If the slate started now, that'd be somebody I wanted to go to. But this entire mid-range, we've got we've got Hunter Renfro now up to 6,100. But it's really hard to neglect the amount of target share he's had here as well uh, with the absence of Henry Ruggs, with the absence of Darren Waller. Nine, 10 targets here the last two, 24.6 and 22.2 DraftKings points. 6,100 for him. I feel like 12.4%. It's weird to say this, but like I, I legitimately still think that he's a really good play at that number. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I don't really find a whole lot of interest wanting to go there. I mean, Shanahan's just kind of proven that that's not going to be a focal point of their offense. And if you guys want to try to take your shots there, good luck. But 
probably my favorite guy in this entire mid-range, and it's very, very scary to say, but Brandon Cooks is 5,700 there. Right now, yeah. right around 10%. I just got to be thinking he's the sole piece of Houston you want to you want to play. Seattle has been atrocious. Seattle's been atrocious in general here, and you know I, I do expect that I'm probably going to go back to a little bit more Russell Wilson than I probably should in tournaments here. You know, a pretty easy clear cut stack with Lockett or Metcalf, one of the two, maybe together, and then running it back with cooks. And I just think, you know, I, if you don't have David Johnson out there catching passes as well, if it's going to be Rex Burkhead in the, in the backfield there, Brandon cooks looks even more intriguing to me. He's always intriguing. I think Matt, this, this range is what could decide things because there's a bunch of guys that are, capable of just giving you nothing or blowing up because they're actually good. Let me go straight up. I'll name every single player eight in a row. Russell Gage, 26% target share over the past three weeks. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Eric just mentioned. Ayuk, if Debo sits, I think it's possible. Elijah Moore, tough matchup, bad quarterback, but a ton of opportunity lately. Amari Cooper's cheap against the bad Washington secondary, but he's been disappointing. Mike Williams has fallen off but he has that big play upside. Renfro, a lot of opportunity. We don't know what's going on with Waller. DJ Moore against Atlanta, and then Marcus Brown against Cleveland. Like, who do you like most here? Yeah, there's a couple guys I want to touch on, and I think there's some legit concerns for a lot of them. With Cooks, I think it's the move to Davis Mills. With DJ Moore, I think it's the firing of the OC midweek, and that suggests to me that they want to go more towards the run. Matt Rule historically has been kind of a run first guy, and he was clearly butting heads with Joe Brady, who's the exact opposite. More your pass first offense. He was obviously the architect of that LSU offense. Elijah Moore, you're dealing with a lot of the same inefficiency as a guy like, like Brandon Cooks. So I see them as dicier options. I like them more in, in tournaments. Elijah Moore's just had fantastic volume and some pretty good matchups. But Amari Cooper is sitting in this range at 5,900, drawing almost no ownership. He's right around Mike Evans. Speaking of which, I you guys talked Mike Evans already, so I won't belabor that point, but I really like him in this range. But Amari at 5,900, if he comes back and plays the same role we've been seeing earlier in the year, and again, we don't know that, but they're coming off a longer rest period this week, he's a strong value to me, and I think he might be one of the better ones in this range against Washington. Yeah. I, I know the whole, I don't know. The whole position is, is, is weird down here. And honestly, fellas, I don't have much as far as low owned guys go. Like I said, large field tournaments, I will take some shots on people's Jones. Cause there's not, if I want to go non-balanced and get a couple expensive guys, maybe it's like an Eckler Hill lineup or whatever. I haven't made any yet. I could see getting down to that sub four K range, but I'd like to avoid it if possible. Yeah, I'm done trying to make LaVisca Chenault a thing. I think yeah. I'm pretty pretty over that. Uh, we're going to move on with our lives. Uh, I will say, if we're going to be looking at like a, a game environment that could shoot out as well, uh, the, obviously Tampa Bay Buffalo stands out as one you might want to be targeting, but Dallas and Washington still has a 48 total there. And I'm not saying that this is the best play, but Terry McLaurin, I obviously like. DeAndre Carter was somebody that was seeing more volume out of the middle of nowhere week 13 there. Uh, obviously they got up there. They, they relied on Gibson a lot in that spot against Vegas on the road. Um, but DeAndre Carter, 3,400, I might pair him into some tournament stacks, but really that's going to be what it is. This is just kind of like targeting a game environment. Can he just break off a big play? We could say that about a lot of guys. I mean, even somebody like Olympus Zacchaeus saw two touchdowns in a week nine. It's not like he's a good player, somebody that you need to be going to, but I will say the one thing and caveat I'll throw out to this entire slate is just I don't want to be playing any of these ancillary Chiefs options I think that that is like the one 
real like fish play that you could possibly have uh, down here at the bottom. I know that Patrick Mahomes is going to be paired up with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey a lot, but I guarantee you people are going to go to Pringle. They're going to go to Hardman. They're going to try to make those, you know, double stacks kind of a thing. That is going to be a clear cut thing that I am avoiding in tournaments this week. I don't blame you. Right now, I think we have Pringle actually projected for yeah seven percent. What? He played. Yeah. He played a lot in their last game. Yeah, he did. Like, he played way ahead of like Hardman. Hardman played fifteen percent of the snaps. I saw that. That was kind of madness. Like I think Pringle's fine if you can assume he has this the same workload he had last week, but I don't think you can assume that. No. They're- and they're going to be owned is the problem is that people love to double stack Patrick Mahomes. Yep. They're they're all touchdown dependent. All of them. Yep. Yeah. I would, you could, I would you could play anybody else down there at the bottom of the board and it's going to be the same kind of thing where, yeah, can they sure. break off a big play? Sure. So like for me, DeAndre Carter in that game environment, I think at least makes sense as a guy who I think, I mean, Humphrey started getting involved quite a bit there towards the end of that game as well. Um, that was kind of surprising to me, but I'm looking at, at DeAndre Carter, maybe somebody to just click on in largest of large field tournaments. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I would, yeah. if you're taking these touchdown or bust guys, I don't know why you wouldn't correlate with the best offenses on the slate that have lower ownership. So the one thing you, you said about Pringle, I think that makes a lot of sense, Eric, is that he's going to be owned, which is why you might not like him over some other players in this range. Yep. I would rather go down to like an Emmanuel Sanders or a Cole Beasley who's coming in with less ownership. And it's not always going to be the same price point with these guys, but to the point on just the ancillary receivers, your wide receivers, two and three on explosive offenses, they need to be a little lower owned. And I'm always trying to correlate them with my quarterback. So offenses that really stand out for that, I think are Buffalo, Tampa Bay. If you get some clarity in the wide receiver three, we haven't really had that of late. They've been going a lot more to Gronk. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot. Dallas, I think, with Gallup might be one. Otherwise, there's not a ton of these explosive offenses this week. Yeah, Guyton. Guyton's the one guy at 3,400 that will be super, super popular if you have no Keenan Allen. And I think it would be the best fade of the week, if we're being honest. Agreed. The best, because we're pretending like you don't still have Eckler and Williams. and like It's not to say that Allen's absence wouldn't be huge. But would you be shocked if Guyton had three targets on the game? I don't think it would be that shocking, honestly. So. Not at all. I think they could Cash, do a couple would be things. A lock. Would you I, say I think they might even go like more 12 personnel with Cook and Parham. Parham, and yeah, yeah, right. They have Josh Palmer there who's still Steven playing Anderson as well. snaps. Yeah, Steven Anderson's another player that gets a lot of snaps. Yeah, and arguably the best pass catching running back in, in football. Right. Tight ends. We're running a little bit late, Mike. We don't have anything. We're not up against anything, right? Okay. Uh, we do have free content on the site today, too, if you wanted to get in on that action. Uh, NBA ownership rankings, NHL top stack tool. You don't need to be a sub. You don't need to have an account even. They're free. They're opened up in front of the paywall. So check that out. And check out EMAC Building Blocks article. It's a solid article to get your NBA day slate started off right. All right. Tight ends. Eric. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller up at the top. Same with Gronk. He's been, I don't, like, if you're not bought into Gronk at this point, not you personally, but I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. Like, in the games that he's played this year, he is the tight end too. He is. He's the tight end too in the games he's played this year. That's how good he's been. He's a red zone threat. G- good, good coverage against tight ends by Buffalo. I'm not saying I love this spot. I probably want to go back to Kittle, especially if Debo's out. What about you? And and obviously Kelsey. 
Yeah, Rob Gronkowski's playing like retirement football down there in Florida where, you know, he's not having to block. He just looks more agile than what he did towards the tail end of his New England career, obviously taking a year off, getting right, coming back last year, winning a Super Bowl. Things have just been trending up for Rob Gronkowski and seeing him at 5.3%. You're right. I mean, tight end two in the games he's played this entire season, coming off of eight, 10 and eight targets now in the three weeks since his return. A lot of volume, uh, you know, had the two touchdown game there. And I think that that's going to get a little muted because of how insane of a game George Kittle had, even looking at Dallas Goddard uh, in, in terms of like uh, his, his tight end, uh, just what he, the score that he put up there comparably. So Rob Gronkowski definitely getting slept at, but it's still really hard not to love George Kittle. I mean, this guy is special. And if you're not going to have Debo Samuel on the field, that's the kind of upside, that's the kind of volume that we can expect for uh george kittle going forward so i think seeing him sub 10 percent, i like that even more than travis kelsey i like seeing rob gronkowski at half the ownership of george kittle and i like that even more i think it's a really fun uh slate to be paying up a tight end and i don't think because the opportunity cost isn't as high where you're giving up so many elite uh running backs there i, I thought last week it was pretty easy to pay up for tight end because everybody was pretty cheap relatively here i think maybe that's going to be the the route most people take here on this slate but deservedly so what about you, Matt? Yeah, I love Kittle. And I think there's a chance he's being underprojected right now because we still do have Debo Samuel in. George Kittle might have a raw higher projection than Kelsey at the end of the day. He's the clear wide receiver one when Debo's not in the lineup. And Kelsey's always going to be competing with Tyreek Hill. The matchup against Cincinnati is, is neutral, I would say, for George Kittle. But again, he's just so involved that he still makes a lot of sense. And the overall game environment's pretty good. 48 and a half points there. I agree entirely with you guys on Gronk. And honestly, I think part of the mentality of not playing Gronk for casuals is just he's a lot older at this point. We've seen him fail in recent years, but different situations. And people seem to keep chasing the shiny new object in Kyle Pitts, who's coming in right now with essentially the same ownership. And I mean, I'm just done chasing Kyle Pitts versus Gronk. Yeah, if Gronk's going to come in at the same ownership as Pitts, which right now they're both projected for 5% and some change, Easy play for me. Better quarterback by far, right? Much higher implied total. Not, not, not a great matchup, but it, it doesn't really matter at this point. And the crazy thing about Pitts is you, you want to be like, well, with Ridley out, that target share, you know, concentrated offense and Corderell, Pat, Corderell Patterson's target share is dwindling. Nah, man, Pitts has like a 19% target share over the last five weeks. It's not good. It's really not good. So... Give me the guy that could score two touchdowns on any given week and is getting targeted eight times a game by Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But I love Kittle. I don't like – no one's real chalk right now. Like, if Debo's out, I think Kittle's going to come out quite a bit. I don't really have anybody else. I don't like any of these cheap options this week. Maybe Seals-Jones if he's active against Dallas because Logan Thomas is on the IR. But – Eric, Matt, whoever wants to chime in, we could wrap up tight ends. I don't have anything else. Well, think about this. There aren't many slates we've had, like Kelsey, Kittle, uh, you know, Waller will probably be out here. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe he'll be good. We've got him in right now. Either. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski, Andrews, Pitts, Schultz, Hawkinson, Knox. We've got a number of high upside guys here at the top end of the board. I think if you're trying to get different with a roster construction, maybe paying up for another wide receiver. I'm happy going to the tight ends in this Jacksonville, Tennessee game. 2,900 James O'Shaughnessy. Very inefficient there with his six targets, two catches, 13 yards. That was disappointing as a, as a run back for the Rams stacks last week. 
But then in that same game, Anthony Ferkser, I'm okay trying to take shots on it, but I understand that it's basically just like touchdown or bust with some of these guys. There's just so many good tight ends that you could be looking to pay up for. And as you said, George Kittle with no Debo, I think he's going to be by far the chalk of the position. Yeah. Ugly position though, Matt, outside of the top. It really is. And I think you guys mentioned all the names we should be really invested in. O'Shaughnessy, I think will make the most sense. And the path to O'Shaughnessy's success, it's not so much about what he's going to put on the field because he's not, he doesn't have that anywhere near the same ceiling as Kelsey or Kittle or Waller if he plays. But you need those guys sometimes to just not score a touchdown or not have a big play. If Kelsey and Kittle each put up 15 and O'Shaughnessy puts up 10, that's how you win in a week where you're rostering O'Shaughnessy. And I think the same thing goes for some of these other pass catchers, the Washington situation's intriguing if Seals Jones is out because they've had a tendency to use one tight end the whole year. So Bates might become available. Jared Cook, I think, could see some mm-hmm. extra time if Keenan Allen's out. The same thing goes for Parham. I think you could throw some darts there if you're stacking Herbert. Otherwise, it's a pretty gross position. And if you're running anybody else, it's probably just in stacks. Like Dalton Schultz, I could see playing in Dak stacks. The same thing goes for, you know, like, once you get down there, even some of these guys like Mark Andrews, I think are overpriced. Uh, I don't even know how much I'll get him. We are kind of short on time, but I, I we had so many bangers from the Hall of Fame over the weekend and the past couple of days that I got to hit on this real quick. Uh, let's induct these people into the Awesome Hall of Fame. If you want to get involved in this, get in on the action, go to awesome.com slash avatar, download the avatar, use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, wherever you want, finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more and get a free month of Awesome Plus. Some people do it because they want to be up here. They want to get the love, the shout out. They want to get that Twitter love. You know what I mean? You get inundated with, with wonderful comments. You feel great about yourself and you want a lot of money and you get a free Awesome Plus pass. I mean, come on, man. Why not rock the Awesome avatar with us? Let's kick it off with our boy, Curtis. $3,500, 5K, or 30K Sunday NFL rush. Always appreciate you guys, the material and data you put out. First ever official takedown, pretty pumped. That's awesome. $3,500. Love to see that. Uh, we had a couple other crazy ones. Uh, my buddy Connor, I've known him for a long time since the fan vice days. Shipped one going to Miami, boys. How about that? Yeah. Single entry in the 20 qualifier. $62,000 ticket right there. Congrats, man. Very happy to see that. And then how about Eddie lie behind the scenes? This dude Let's just goes, he rakes hundred thousand dollars. And then you see what second place is another awesome. avatar 35,000. This is why I wanted to do this. Like we just had people crushing $20,000 to rat uh, good effort. Thanks. Awesome. underscore com huge $20,000 takedown right there. Uh, and then dude, we, we span all sites here. Second out of 40,000 in the Sunday million for JK. I think that is a $50,000 win. This is all from just this weekend, the past couple of days. It's Emmanuel $4,000. And then we had Eli or Alive 1750 in the same screenshot. Appreciate that, man. Big win. Congratulations. And then last one, of course, R2, little NHL action, $5,000. He spent $4.00. Binked 5,000 on the $25,000 break. See, that was worth it, right? Like when you have those wins, you got it. You got to hit on that. Absolutely. No question about it. Also shout out Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods going to be playing golf here to finish out the season, the PNC, the father son challenge. Let's get some uh, PGA takedowns then in awesome. hall of fame next time out. But yeah, 
congrats to all you guys. You want to get up on this on the Hall of Fame, inducted, whether it be here, Twitter, whatever it is, download that avatar and tweet us at awesomeohof when you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more. Boys, let's wrap it up the way we always do. Top stacks, you already know mine, so I'll toss it over to you. If, if Tampa really is as low-owned as they are, I will get to Brady, whose price is down. I will get to Gronk. I will get to Evans. I will get to Godwin, and I will do it happily in a game with the highest total on the slate. Matt, what are you doing? I'm pretty interested in Dallas in a game that's not among the elite in terms of total. It's just sitting at 48 points, so it's behind the Buffalo-Tampa Bay game. It's behind the Vegas-Kansas City game. But I still think there's a lot of upside here for an offense which has always had something wrong with it this year. They've, they've lost Gallup to injured reserve. Amari Cooper hasn't been fully healthy. But now you, uh, as long as Cooper is back from his recurring battle with COVID, assuming that he's fully over that, you now have all the skill position players healthy and a very interesting opportunity to stack against Washington. All right. I dig that a lot. I was surprised that the ownership was as low as it was on them as well. Eric, what do you got? I kind of alluded to it throughout the show, but I mean, it's a paltry, terrible 41 and a half total here for this game. But Russell Wilson, look at, at these running backs that they have there. There's no, there's no question that uh, Adrian Peterson, Rashad Penny, these guys are going to get way too many touches and whatever, but at least seeing 37 pass attempts, even in a game that they were up, uh, it was nice to see Russell Wilson finally kind of start to come back to come back to life a little bit there the last two weeks, even in that loss to Washington was serviceable here. I think it's very clear cut for you're stacking him. You're stacking him with Lockett. You're stacking with Metcalf. You're running it back with Brandon Cooks. I think that entire game environment, looking at the top stacks tool, seeing some positive leverage there, 9.7% top stack potential on DraftKings there. That is the third highest on the board here right now. Pretty surprising considering that total, but I'm already going to be there. It's the most interesting and volatile stack of the week, in my opinion. Love that. Yeah, agreed. In four, in four weeks since Wilson returned, he leads the league in deep attempts, which is crazy. Like, Lockett has been targeted 11 times, 20-plus yards downfield. Leads the league over that span. Metcalf, third with nine. The problem is, last week, when Wilson went 30 for 37, his dot dropped four yards. So is this a spot where he's a little bit more conservative? but he still attempted five deep balls. So mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. Like methodically move the ball downfield and then take your shots. Maybe that finger's getting better or the thumb or whatever it was. And you know how concentrated his offense is because Metcalf and Lockett make up like 53% of the team target share. I like that, Eric. It could go horribly, but it could oh, also yeah. be huge. Yeah, it's a very volatile spot, but uh, these are tournaments. He's going to be around 5%. He's been under-owned, I think, for what his ceiling has been historically throughout the years. So I'm happy to go back to it. All right, boys, let's get out of here. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, Eric at Eric Linquist. We started late. We started like because NBA strategy show. Ed, so it's not actually that late. Me at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to Mike Lawrence for producing the show. Hit that thumbs up one more time before you go and check us out tomorrow. Matt and myself on the uh, early showdown slate, 9 a.m. Eastern. And we get the matchups marathon show with Matt Savoka and myself. What do you guys got going on for the rest of the day? Anything here? Any shows NBA Live on? Before Lock over here. So I'm going to be doing that with Greg. 13-game NBA slate. Come hang Ooh, out with us. Gross. A lot to discuss. A lot to discuss. Matt? I am just working on college basketball projections for tonight's games. A couple of heaters. Make sure to check that out if you're interested. All right, beautiful. Catch you guys back here very shortly. Peace.